You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a WealthCap Holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. I was introduced to Devin just a couple months ago. And of course, when we connected, I just love, love, love what she's doing. Uh, because a lot of times I talk to individuals who, for when it comes to real estate investing, they want to get into real estate. They just don't have the time to go through the whole process of finding a property, getting it under contract, doing all the legal work and managing it. And what Devin does uh, is able to meet all of those needs so that you can create what Sharon taught us in this session about having those sexy assets and also not having to be actively having to do the work. And that's the beautiful thing about, and what I really love about what, what Devin, Devin is doing. So um, it was very exciting when we connected because I knew that uh, what she does is of tremendous value for anybody looking to get into real estate investing. And I'll just share Devin's bio. She started her entrepreneurial journey in her early 20s in retail building up a chain of gourmet food stores. And after selling the business and buying her first house to rehab, she was totally hooked on real estate. She then got her license and started working as a realtor, primarily with investors for long-term holds in both short-term and long-term rentals and started her own property management company. The experience, that experience is what has landed Devin the position as a senior investment advisor at Wealth Cap Holdings one of the fastest growing turnkey real estate investment providers in the country. That's the U.S. for any of you. We have a lot of Canadians here, so I'll just clarify. Uh, Wealth Cap Holdings is rehabbing around 30 properties a month and growing that, mon- that number exponentially in several markets across the U.S. Wealth Cap holds a, pri- uh, a white glove investment experience for people wanting to get started in passive real estate investing. They've built a Facebook community, the Real Estate Portfolio Builders Group for like-minded investors looking to build long-term wealth through real estate. Devin is also the host of the Portfolio Builders podcast, discussing a number of topics on real estate investing and strategic planning. Devin is passionate about empowering people to build real long-term wealth and passive income through real estate investment especially women. Uh, <laughs> having grown up in a home where, the, where things were tight and at times tough, it's Devin's mission to share with as many people as possible the freedom that can be achieved through passive wealth building. So on that note, please help me welcome Devin and her talk on buy and hold investments with turnkey real estate. Thank you so much, Devin, for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, thank you guys so much for asking me to to be on. I'm I'm honored and humbled and and so excited to to get to share for an oh, hour pleasure. on my favorite subject, which is real estate investment. Um, and we've had some amazing ladies presenting so far. I'm just you know tickled to be included in the group. Um, and where I wanted to start today is with. A little bit of my backstory, you know how um, how I kind of started to develop the mindset to want to be an investor to begin with. Um, as you mentioned in my bio, I I grew up in an environment where uh, money was always tight. My parents divorced when I was really little. Um, it wasn't an amicable divorce, and you know everybody did the best they could. However. I kind of grew up with this idea that, you know, money was tight and it was somebody else's fault. Um, that wasn't really an accurate message, but that was kind of the one that I was that I was hearing as a little person. So I started to understand this idea that if you if you want to be free in life, you have to have control of your own finances. Um, so as a little kid, you know, I had that entrepreneurial spunk. Uh, I was always cleaning houses in the neighborhood or babysitting, really just doing anything I could do to start earning money uh, because I did not want to be in that same position when I grew up. So after high school and college and everything, you know, I, um, I tried a bunch of different businesses and failed. 
I had jobs and quit or got fired, <laughs> you know, for whatever reason. Um, I can be an ornery little thing, uh, as most most entrepreneurs are. Don't listen very well. Don't mind very well. So I I ended up going into the retail retail business and um, basically after a few years. I was not in good relationship with my former partner. Somebody needed to go, so I took an offer and I left. Um, I left with a chunk of money and really no idea who I was or what I wanted to do. Um, but I've always loved watching HGTV and things of that nature. Uh, as a little kid, I watched Martha Stewart on Saturday morning. That was my, my favorite thing on TV. I loved home improvement shows um, and things like that. So I purchased a property and I had no idea what I was doing, um, but I found, I found a house that was really, really ugly in a good area and decided that I was gonna fix it up myself um, no construction background, like really no idea what I was doing there either. But growing up in the information age, we have we have cell phones, we have YouTube <laughs> and things of that nature. So I decided like, I'm just gonna figure this out and flip his house by myself. HGTV does make it look a lot easier than it, <laughs> than it really is in person, which I learned the hard way. Uh, that first house that I rehabbed, it it took me probably 18 months uh, to get it finished because I was living in it while I was doing the rehab, you know, moving from room to room, working on one room, getting the floor in, moving into the next room. There was dust everywhere. You know, my fingernails were dirty for like a year and a half. It was a lot of work, uh, but I got the bug. And while I started working on that project is when I decided I am going to get my real estate license and do this next. You know, um, I had always read a lot about finances and building wealth. And one thing that I noticed is that a lot of people who were really, really successful financially, pretty much all of them had real estate included in, in their investments. Uh, so I was determined, determined to learn again, kind of driven by some of that stuff from my childhood about not wanting to be under anybody's thumb or at the mercy of, of someone else, you know, um, because that's really the story that I heard as a kid. My, my mom was not really all there, you know, to be totally transparent. And she basically told us if, if we had more money, we could, we could do these things. So that, that idea drove me for a long, long time that I didn't want to be beholden to anyone. So I got my real estate license and uh, went out there and started hustling and grinding and building up clientele. Um, and I noticed that I, I had a knack with investors. I liked working with owner occupants, um, but with the investors, it was really just all about the numbers. It was very logical. And in the area where I lived, the numbers really, really worked very well for long-term rentals. That's where I started. Um, for example, the average purchase price of a house in that community where I was in Southern Missouri was about 120K. And that average three bedroom, two bath, 1500 square foot-ish house, they rented for 1200 to 1250. So it was right around that 1% rule, good cap rate, and uh, there weren't any great property management companies in the community that I lived in. Um, it was Branson, Missouri. If you guys have ever heard of that town, tap Brans type Branson in the chat. You may have seen it. You know, it's a, a popular vacation destination, um, what, which is one of the reasons that actually it was a really good long-term rental market is because there was a lot of semi-transient employees. Employees would come in to work the industries that supported that community, but there wasn't a ton of housing. Uh, so I kind of identified that niche. I started knocking on a lot of doors, finding houses that needed to be fixed up that I knew they could rent out well. And I would find investors, point the investors towards these houses, help them with the rehab, because I learned a lot the hard way doing that reno by myself. I did give myself a black eye during that renovation <laughs> as well, which is a fun story. Um, 
I have my tech guy kind of looking at me funny over here. So what happened with the black eye? Side note, there was a cabinet in the laundry room that I wanted to come down. I'm very short. If you're watching this live stream, you can't tell because I'm sitting on a tall stool. But this cabinet was way up above my head and I wanted it to come down. And uh, there were four screws in the back of it. And with my handy dandy pink drill, I got a couple of the screws out, but there was one that I couldn't get out. And uh, I was kind of shaking the cabinet and it swung on that last screw and just punched me right in the face. Uh, so broke my glasses, gave me a back eye and black eye. And then I was mad. <laughs> so I went and got a crowbar and from the other side of the house, like just chucked it across the room and, and took this cabinet down. Um, but anyway, that's, that's what renovations are like when you're doing them by yourself. I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise that to anybody. I learned a ton by doing that. Um, which was helpful for me as I started going out, forming relationships with these investors, advising them on this is what you should do on this rehab, focusing mostly on things that would increase the rent rate and um, you know make make the property marketable and safe for tenants, but not you know they weren't the same improvements that you would do when you were flipping to an owner occupant. So I built up a little business doing that on a small scale. Um, identifying deals, working with investors, kind of overseeing the renovation, and then built the property management company because there wasn't a good option in my community. A few years ago, I left. I left that business. I, you know, I walked away from being uh, an independent real estate agent in Missouri, and I moved to Nashville, like following a sign from God to relocate to a new city. Not really sure what. Uh, what I was going to be doing with my life. And I, by chance, through kind of a random email, got hired at a, at a marketing company to do sales. And the marketing company, it's called Traffic and Funnels, um, the gentleman who owned that company had just started building a real estate portfolio. So as soon as I showed up and they found out that I had all this experience, they asked me if I wanted to join the team at WealthCap. And here I am now. So it was such a blessing that I had that experience in the past. And I got to come over and start working for this portfolio builder and turnkey provider who wanted to provide, you know, a much better service than what I was doing on a small scale in a much, much larger scale. Uh, so what we've done is we've identified markets very similar to the one I mentioned earlier, where the numbers really make sense. That's something that is so important in long-term hold real estate investing. There are a lot of markets where the numbers will not work in your favor, no matter what you do. Uh, Nashville, where we are located, is one of those examples. We cannot get the returns that we can get in other markets here in Nashville. You know, you can't buy a bucket of dirt in Nashville for 120K. But in some other markets, you can buy an entire house that's going to cash flow and work really well. So how is an investor who lives in a market like Nashville, Denver, Seattle, how can an individual who lives where they want to live in a market where the numbers don't make sense for long-term rentals get involved with building a portfolio if they don't have a trusted partner on the ground that they can work with? You know, that's the most important key. I have talked with a ton of investors on our podcast, on the phone every day, and that is their, their biggest concern, their biggest hurdle. Um, when I ask experienced investors, what is the, what's the one thing that's really blown up in your face in your real estate investing career? It always has to do with trusting the wrong partners um, in you know, trying, to, trying to make deals happen. So what we've done is we've taken a lot of the guesswork out of that for, for people. Uh, so the markets that we've identified, Kansas City, Missouri, Birmingham, Alabama, and Charlotte, North Carolina. In these three markets, we have a very specific buy box of properties that we're looking for where you know, we're gonna get really good cash flow. We're gonna get a good cash on cash return. There's a high demand for rental property. Um, taxes are lower you know, uh, schools are better than some of the other areas of town. And we've basically honed in on the areas where the numbers make the most sense 
And it's easy for us to build a team and build infrastructure in those areas versus trying to force a square peg in a round hole here in our backyard where it just won't work. Um, yeah, I grew up in Atlanta. My sister still lives there. And we talk sometimes, my sister, other friends of mine that are down in Atlanta on real estate investing too. And just the way that housing prices have come up in so many markets, sometimes it just it just doesn't work and it doesn't make sense. So we've built teams and built infrastructure in these, in these markets where the numbers work. Uh, we've built partnerships with property managers and we are actively building a portfolio for ourselves. An overflow inventory is made available for investors that want to start investing in real estate, but they don't have the time uh, or some, they just don't have the desire to try to figure out what to buy, what rehab to do, how to get it rented out. You know, those are the things that really, I think, give a lot of, uh, they give a lot of investors stress and anxiety. I hear all the time, you know, I, I want to invest in real estate, but I just don't know how to get started. Or I want to invest in real estate, but I don't want to be a landlord. I don't want somebody blowing up my phone late at night, which I totally understand. Um, something else is that a lot of folks who really want to invest in real estate may not have a ton of capital. And there's, I think it's a lie or a myth out there that flipping is a great way to make quick, ca quick cash. Um, that's usually not true. <laughs> you probably need a lot of capital, depending on what your strategy is for acquisition and rehab. You know, you can, if you want to be a flipper, you can take out a bridge loan or a hard money loan. Um, there's lots of creative financing out there, but you do, you do need some capital to do that. And then you're going to need some capital to do the renovation. There are strategies out there for people who want to be flippers, you know, and, and experts that can guide them in the best way to do that. Um, I personally would call myself a, um, I'm a recovering flipper after having done it a few times for myself and for clients. Uh, I realize now that for me and where I am in my life and what I'm doing, that is not the best strategy for me or the best use of my capital versus a turnkey property. If you're able to acquire a property with a 20% down payment where the purchase price is say 120K, maybe 130K, the capital needed to acquire that asset is considerably less than if you're trying to flip something in some markets. Like uh, I was talking to an investor yesterday, for example, that was thinking about maybe doing some flipping in Seattle. Uh, the opportunity there is that the average purchase price in that market is like 700K. So even if you were to finance something, fix it up, and then turn around and flip it on the open market, uh, you still need like 100K as, as a down payment, which is a lot of capital versus smaller price points, 120K. If you do have a, let's say you've got a nest egg of 100K to spend on real estate investments. That could potentially be four acquisitions versus one. With a long-term rental also, you're gonna get paid on that asset month after month after month after month over a very long time. The tenant is gonna pay off the debt for you. Um, you're gonna be able to take depreciation of the asset. The asset itself will appreciate in value over the long, long term versus flipping like it's a one and done kind of thing, you know, maybe you make 50K, maybe you make 60K, but then you have to do it again and again and again. And also there can be a lot of opportunities for capital gains, depending on how quickly you're doing, you're doing these flips. You know, if you have a quote unquote primary residence that you don't live in for two years or longer, there's a, a good probability that you're going to pay some capital gains when you when you flip that property versus with a long, a long-term hold, whether it's a long-term rental or a vacation rental, um, there's an opportunity to get paid on that over and over and over again. So you're making a move once and getting paid many, many, many times over many years, and you can build really substantial wealth that way versus a flip, you know, where it's a one and done. Um, so 
An opportunity that a lot of investors encounter too when they're trying to get started in real estate investing is that whole idea, getting mentally past the idea of, well, how do I invest in property that I may never see, right? I hear that from folks all day. It can be really intimidating. Um, I can't imagine doing a flip from a distance. I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago on a, a woman who she lives in like New Jersey or something like that. And she was doing flips in Alabama. That would give me anxiety. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to sleep at night because there's so many moving parts that go on in a rehab. And I can't imagine trying to manage that from a, from a distance. I'm super impressed by the people who can. Um, it would stress me all the way out. But when you work with a partner that you really like, know, and trust, and you're investing in property that you're, you know, you may never go, go see it. It's really important who you work with. Um, I hear horror stories all the time from people who, you know, they just, maybe they just bought a property out of the MLS from a distance and tried to hire a property manager and get it rented out. They never really, you know, met the people face to face. Um, they didn't vet the teams that they were working with. And that is when you're really setting yourself up for disaster when you're investing from a distance. Um, I can't stress enough that like vetting the team that you're going to work with is the most important part in turnkey investing. You know, obviously WealthCap is an option. I'm here representing them and sharing with you guys a little bit about what we do, but we're not the only one. There's plenty of turnkey providers out there that, that you can invest with, but I can't stress enough, whoever you choose to work with, um, make sure that you have the option to talk to some other investors, you know, get an example of, of their work, see if you can talk to the property manager that they use, whether it's in-house or it's a third party partner. If somebody is hesitant to hand over those resources to you, I would ask myself, do I really feel comfortable investing my, my money with these people? Um, so let's say that you've, you've identified a turnkey provider that you want to work with. Maybe it's WealthCap, maybe it's somebody else. And, uh, you're ready to move forward and making some acquisitions. Financing is another big part that comes into the strategy and, and what you're going to do. Each investor is different. Um, something that I do a lot of is consulting with individuals on what is your plan? What do you want to accomplish with your real estate investments? Where do you want to go? And how quickly do you want to get there? So that we can figure out what is the best acquisition strategy for you. Um, I'll share my strategy right now. So <clears throat> I have a few properties. I've got a couple that are under contract right now. And uh, I personally am focused on making as many acquisitions as possible right now. That being said, the traditional lender route is not really an option for me. Uh, and I hear that from folks all the time. They're like, I, I have good credit and I have some cash, but I'm self-employed. I've just started a business not that long ago. I don't look good on paper. How can I get financing? Or maybe they've invested in quite a few properties. They're maxed out on their Fannie Freddie loans. How can I get financing? There are commercial lending institutions out there that you can get an asset-based loan from. Uh, you just have to do, you have to do some research or work with somebody who's done some of that research for you. Like we have, we have lenders out the wazoo because that's one of the most important things for an investor when they come to me is to help them figure out, okay, what do you want to do and how are we going to pay for it? You know, you have your earned income, you have your capital. What is the best way to leverage the capital that you have? I personally am focused on making as many acquisitions as possible. Uh, so my strategy for the next, say, 12 to 18 months is I'm going to focus on properties that are a lower price point, even if it's a lower cash flow than some of the other options. If it's a lower price point and therefore my down payment is less, for me, that is going to stretch my capital as, as far as possible. Right now I'm single. I don't have any kids. Uh, so I'm just trying to plan as much as I can for the long, long term as possible and make as many acquisitions as I can. So I'm using some commercial lending, which means my interest rate is a little bit higher. My down payment is about 20%. However, the tenant is going to be paying that interest off over the long term, not me. It might affect my cash flow a little bit, paying a higher interest rate versus 
you know, I think I was talking to somebody just a couple of days ago and I think they got like three and a quarter on an investment loan, which is fantastic. Mine was like six and I don't care uh, because I'm, I'm able to make the acquisition. And to me, that is what's most important is being able to make the acquisition where I'm going to have positive cash flow. I'm going to have a cash on cash return. Somebody else is going to be paying that asset off for me over the long term. The asset is going to appreciate over the long term and I have the tax benefits. So as long as those boxes are getting checked off for me, I personally do not care about the interest rate and I'm going to make as many acquisitions as I possibly can. Uh, I do have people ask me all the time, like, well, well, Devin, you're an experienced flipper and you can identify deals and blah, blah, blah. So why don't you do any of that around town in Nashville? There's, there's, you know, there's money to be made, which is a hundred percent correct. However, the highest return on my time by far is in my job, my business. I'm sure there's some people on on this live stream that can relate. If you're a high income earning W-2, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a mom and you're chasing a bunch of kids around, you know, you need to really sit down and evaluate what is the best use of my time and my money. Is it, is it me going out and finding deals and doing all of that work? Or would I be content with maybe a little bit less of a return but it's passive. <laughs> I don't have to figure that out. Um, for me, the passive part is super important. I love my job. I am here all day, every day. Uh, you know, I work often late into the evening. I have clients texting me, asking me questions, or there's stuff going on in our Facebook group. Uh, and I love it. I love it. And I would much rather have my time and attention and energy focused on that than running around Nashville look, looking for a, a deal that I could flip or, or something along those lines. If anybody can relate, let me know in the comments, like, yes, you know, if you have a bunch of kids that you're trying to chase around, uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think about that. If you've ever done any turnkey investing too, I'd, I'd love to hear about that in the comments. Or if you have questions, I'll address them at the end, but please feel free to, to pepper them along as we're, as we're chatting. Uh, so yeah as many acquisitions as possible is my, my personal strategy and goal. So I'll give some examples of some numbers. A, a house that I just closed on a couple of weeks ago, um, it's in the greater Kansas City market, which I love that market. It has around a 3% appreciation annually, which is great, it's positive. You never wanna make, in my, my opinion, and I'll share all my opinions with you, <laughs> If you guys want them, um, my opinion, I would never make an acquisition solely on appreciation. The deal absolutely has to make sense from day one. It has to cash flow from day one. The deal has to make sense from day one. Because if you're planning just on appreciation, if you're cash flow negative, then what happens if, if the market tanks? What happens if you're wrong? You know, because you're you're predicting the future. You're planning on what is going to happen solely. You know, that's not a smart move. Um, I've I've worked with a lot of investors in Australia, and pretty much all of their real estate investments they've told me about are like they are happy if they break even, which to me is bananas. Um, anywho, so Kansas City has a three percent appreciation rate, which is positive. It's not astronomical growth by any means, but um, you know it's on pace with inflation. So 3% annual appreciation. This house that I just closed on, it was 115K. Uh, it's a big house. It was around like 2,800 square feet, which shows you how far your money can go in, in the right market. Um, but I wouldn't just buy anything because it's cheap. You know, there's a caveat here just because, you know, there are some small towns, rural areas where maybe you can get a whole lot of house for a little bit of value. I mean, a little bit of money, but you have to ask yourself, like, is there a demand for rents in that area? If it's super rural, it, there may not be. Uh, you might just get a whole lot of house for not very much money, but nobody wants to rent and live there. You know, you have to evaluate, is there, is there some kind of industry that's driving this community? Is there a demand for rental property? 
Um, are people going to continue to want to rent in this area? You know, are businesses in the area growing? Is there, uh, is there a college town there? Is there a sports team there? What do people want to be here? You know, don't buy, <laughs> don't buy an asset in the armpit of America, hoping that somebody might want to rent it out. Whereas Kansas city has, you know, has a lot of growing industry. Um, there are sports teams there and what we're doing at WealthCap is we're mostly buying in the suburbs, working class areas within like a 45 minute commute to the city center. We're not really going in urban areas. We're staying out of the F markets. We're also staying out of the A markets where, you know, price points are really high, you know, B to C markets, working class neighborhoods. That's kind of the bread and butter of what we do. It's the bread and butter of what I was doing eight years ago. Um, it worked then, it's working now, it will continue to work because that's where the majority of America lives, is in those, in those areas, in those communities. <laughs> I love that. One of the comments says, don't buy an asset in the armpit of America. <laughs> um, it's true though. So this house, uh, 115K, about 40 minutes outside of Kansas City, great little community. Uh, there is a college there, big house. 2,800 square feet is five bedroom. And the rent range there is around 1,200 a month, uh, which makes that about an 18% cash on cash return, which is on the higher end of really kind of what we look for. Um, our average is about a 10 to 15% cash on cash return. So, you know, I got a I got a pretty good, <laughs> I got a pretty good deal. Might have something to do with the fact that I get to see the inventory first, or I just, I don't know, maybe I'm lucky and I know how to pick them. Uh, but the cash on cash return again is not the only ingredient that I personally focus on. I'm looking at, at all of these things. Is the cash return good? Um, do I feel confident in the area that it's in? Which I do with the, you know, the areas that we're working in with WealthCap. But if I were to make an acquisition independent, these are still the things that I would look for. Um, so I've just gotten, I think we just got a lease signed a day or two ago, tenants are moving in and that property is gonna cash flow around $400 a month after taxes, insurance, management, et cetera, et cetera. Um, another piece of advice is when you're figuring out, you know, do I want to move forward on acquisition or not is really get real on the numbers. Look at the worst case scenario. If you got, let's say the a rent projection is, I don't know, 1200 bucks. Ask yourself if, if it didn't rent at 1200, if I had to rent it out at a thousand, would I still be happy with the cash flow? Would I still be getting a good return? Um, when I put together performance for investors, I give them generally a rent range of about a hundred dollars. And we make our projections based on the lower end of that rent range. Cause I want to know if I get, you know, if I get not the, you know, the worst case scenario, if I get the lower end of the rent range, does this acquisition still make sense to me? And if the answer is yes, then, you know, you should probably feel pretty comfortable moving forward. If you're not okay with the worst case scenario, then don't do it, you know? Don't, uh, don't move forward on a property hoping for the best <laughs> because life doesn't always turn out that way. Stuff happens. And that was exactly what I did with this house that I just closed on. You know, I was perfectly happy with, okay, rent projection, 1200. Would I be okay if I got a thousand? Yeah, I could still swing it. Um, also questions to ask yourself are if it took longer than I expected to get it rented out, would I be okay with that? Do I have the capital set aside to make, say, two or three mortgage payments if that is something that I needed to do? If the answer is yes, then it's, it's probably a smart move. If you're scrounging up your last you know, couple nickels to make the down payment and pay the closing cost, it's probably not a good time for you to, to move on that particular property. Maybe you need to find something that's a little bit lower priced that's going to fit into your budget or just wait a little while longer. Um, always evaluate the downside. If you're okay with the downside, then you'll just be happier if, if it works out the other way in your favor. And our whole business is built around that model. Looking at the downside, what if it takes 60 days to find a tenant? 
what if there's 8% vacancy, which we, we build into all of our projections for the properties that we're going to hold and the ones that we make available for investors. We want to know, you know, if the numbers still make sense under the worst case scenario, then we'll, we'll move forward with it. Uh, so I've got uh, another property under contract for myself right now that's in Alabama, uh, in the Birmingham market. I love that market. I grew up in Georgia, so, you know, it's got a little piece of my heart to buy some property down in the South. And that house, um, I think my returns are going to be around 12%. And I am over the moon with 12% that I can make passive while I get to get up and come to the job that I love every day. You know, that money is actively going to work for me. I'm not having to work for it. And looking at the long-term projection of what's going to happen month after month, tenant is going to pay rent. That mortgage will get paid off over time. The equity in the house will build up. And say five years down the road, if, if someone were to have, you know, five, 10, 15 properties that equity has been built up in over a number of years, then you're able to take out a HELOC on those properties and you have access to capital that didn't come out of your pocket that a tenant essentially bought for you over time and you can use that capital to then make new acquisitions. Um, that is one of the ways that a long-term strategy can really start to snowball into massive wealth building over time. It's not a strategy where you're gonna make a ton of money overnight, like a flip where you're gonna make 50K in, in 60 days. It doesn't really work that way. Uh, but if you're willing to let your assets go to work for you over a period of time, I did the math, you know, I do the math all the time with anybody that wants to. I'm happy to, to jump on a call with you or shoot me a Facebook message afterwards and we can, we can look at numbers and crunch, like, you know, what would it take for you to replace your income in a certain number of years? That's what a lot of people wanna know. I personally um, am kind of working on that, not because I want to quit my job, but just because of the freedom that you get when you jump out of bed because you want to go to work every day and not because you have to. Uh, and working out the numbers to, to see what is it going to take? How many houses will it take over what period of time for me to be completely financially independent where I can do whatever I want to do. And these assets are paying for my life. It's a really common theme. Um, in a lot of, if you've read any of the rich dad, poor dad books, for example, you know, basically having assets fund your life, having your assets fund your liability. That's the train that I'm on. Uh, that's the train that most of our investors and friends here at WealthCap are on is figuring out, you know, how can I put the money that I'm actively earning to use in a way that it'll pay me for the long, long term. So looking at looking at the long term, let's say you've got 10 houses. Uh, each one of those houses has 25, 30K in equity in it after, I don't know, seven, eight years. That's 300K in equity that you could tap into how many additional houses could somebody add to their portfolio with 300K in free equity? All you gotta do is wait <laughs> to get it. You don't have to go out and hustle to make that 300K. You don't have to flip four houses to make that 300K. You just have to wait and be patient um, and chase after your kids or you know, run your business, do your job or, or whatever it is that you do. Um, wait a little bit of time, tap into this example, 300K. And you would be able to make probably an additional 10 acquisitions. And each one of those acquisitions would then cash flow positive two to $500 a month, wait another five to 10 years, build up equity again. And then you have 20 houses with all of this equity that you can tap into. It gives me chills when I start thinking about it because it really, it grows exponentially, but it takes time. Uh, I think that's one thing that's really difficult for a lot of people is the timepiece. Um, you can get rich in real estate and you can try to do it fast and flip a bunch of properties and wholesale a bunch of properties and it works for some people, but that is a hustle and a grind. Or you can get like insanely wealthy with real estate 
over a longer period of time. The, one of the owners of our company, my boss, tells us all the time, like, really what's important in any investment strategy is yield and time. Uh, and I think time is, is the hardest for, for everybody. We, we live in a society, in a microwave society, where, you know, there's so many get-rich-quick schemes on every commercial internet, you know, they're all over the place. Um, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really work that way. It reminds me of the experiment, the marshmallow experiment. If you guys know what I'm talking about, type marshmallow experiment in the comments where children are given, they're given one marshmallow and told by, I think it was a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I don't remember who it was. Uh, you can have it now. Or if you wait until I come back in the room, you can have two. This is like the grown-up version of that experiment. I do talk to a lot of people that they're like, I, you know, I want to do the long-term buy and hold, but I don't have the capital right now. What should I do? And I get that. If you have no capital at all to even make a down payment to buy a property, then we, we got to start somewhere else to build up the capital because you are, you are going to have to make a down payment uh, in order to, you know, to buy a buy and hold. You might be able to find a lot of other people's money strategy for fix and flip, wholesaling. Well, I guess wholesaling, you actually don't need any money. Um, but to build a portfolio of your own, you either have to raise funds from somebody else to do the acquisition or figure out a way to raise the money for your down payment. Um, and I know some of the other speakers that have shared today or like we've got tons of folks in our group that can help somebody if they need to get started with wholesaling because they don't they don't have two pennies to rub together you know i um i get that i <laughs> i didn't have two pennies to rub together for most of my 20s and a couple of instances in my 30s you know when i was building my real estate business uh like it was you know times were tough and i had to get scrappy and hustle and just save and save and save until I was able to, you know, get what I needed to make the next move. But over time, it's, you know, it's really paid off. It's really paid off. But in the beginning, you know, the hustle and the grind is tough. So for anybody who's, uh, you know, if you're watching, I have several resources that I want to connect you with um, that I'll have Carolyn drop in the chat before before we end, uh, but I've got a book that the gentlemen that I work for have written that lays out our exact strategy on how we're building our portfolio, um, the exact mindset that it takes to build that kind of massive, you know, generational wealth, um, and really the thinking behind it. Because if you can understand the thinking behind it, then it's going to be a whole lot easier for you to put the steps in place to actually achieve it. Um, I also have a video training that really goes into detail on how to build assets and net worth. And um, anybody that reaches out to me, I'll I can send that send that over to you later. I'd really oh I see a a couple of questions popping up in the chat, so I want to make sure that I answer all of those. How do you find your deals? That's a great question. Uh, so we have an acquisitions team. It's not. It's not an easy thing. When I was an individual, I knocked on doors to find deals. Like literally it was a grind. I would drive around neighborhoods that I wanted to be in, find a house that looked like it was beat down, needed to be fixed up in the area that I wanted to build my business. Uh, that's essentially what we're doing at WealthCap, just on a much larger scale. We have an entire department that's you know, devoted to acquisitions. Um, and one of the reasons it makes it easier to work with somebody who's figuring a lot of that out for you, because if you're gonna do it on your own, there's, there's a couple ways to find deals uh, that I'm aware of, and that's not really my area of expertise. Uh, my area of expertise has a lot more to do with the strategy and working one-on-one -on -one with investors, helping them figure out which, which investments make sense for where they're trying to go. Uh, but I know that a lot of people who are looking for deals, they can run marketing. So you got to have, you got to have capital to run ads. Um, you can run around 
yourself if you're trying to do it locally. If you're trying to do it from a distance, honestly, like I don't know how an individual would do that. I, an individual could do what we do, uh, but it would take a lot of time and energy. Whereas we have, we have the resources to, you know, we got a team of dudes on that <laughs> that are figuring that out every day and working with bird dogs and wholesalers and agents uh, and a slew of people. Um, okay, I see a question. Your boss of WealthCap trying to do due diligence. Okay, Chris and Taylor are the, the two founders of WealthCap um, and the president is Lance. So Chris and Taylor have a suite of companies. Um, they're most I guess their most famous one is called Traffic and Funnels, which is a business consultancy that they've built up over five years. Um, and they have a couple, a few other companies as well, a publishing company, sales training company. Um, and basically WealthCap was started because they wanted to protect the money that they had generated from those other companies and put it in a vehicle that was, that was going to protect it for the long term and grow like really generational wealth for the long, long term. Uh, wholesaling does not seem like a real option. Why would anyone do this in a seller's market? And I mean the sellers. That's a great question. You know, there, no matter what is going on, there are always people who want to sell, need to sell, and always people who want to buy or need to buy. Um, it's a matter of like finding the right deals in the right market. It is a seller's market right now in a lot of areas. Nashville, for example, prices are just like, whew. I think prices have appreciated like a few percentage points in the last year since I've lived here. I haven't been in Nashville very long. It's been like a year and a half. Um, and I've noticed just the prices in my own neighborhood have really gone up. Um, however, there are always people that are in financial distress. There are always people that are, you know, getting married, having babies, people are dying. Like those life events are always happening. Um, it's having the tools to find the right people at the right time to to get in on those deals, which is really difficult to do as an individual. Um, or you can, you know, you can work with somebody who's kind of figured that out for you. Let's see, how do you find the best markets, cities to invest in? And please provide your contact information. Sure. So the best markets to invest in, uh, there's a few things that I look for. Demand for rental property. How do you figure that out? Easy way to do it, you can look at on something like realtor.com or any of those tools um, and look at what people are paying for houses and what people are paying for rent. Um, you know, I wouldn't look at apartment rents unless you're planning on going into multifamily. I am a huge fan of single family. That's a whole other training <laughs> on why I like single family. Not that multifamily is bad, um, but with single family, there's, you know, well, okay, it is a whole other training, but single family is easy to liquidate in the event that you need to. Um, they also, I mean, they, they appreciate. And I, for me, like being able to easily liquidate something, if I needed to, not that I'm planning on it, but knowing if the poo hit the fan and I had a 150 unit apartment building that I needed to liquidate right away, there aren't as many buyers for that as there are if I have a single family home in a suburban area that your average family with 3.2 kids is going to want to move into. Like I can liquidate that asset easily at any time. Um, also, COVID has shown us that like lately people are not really too keen on staying in high density areas. <laughs> so a lot of like big funds that are invested in multifamily have uh, they're having some trouble. Anywho, uh, how do you find the best cities to market? So look at the uh, look at the rent rate and the sales prices. You can calculate the cap rate uh, to calculate the ca cash on cash return is the number that I basically go by. Look at if I were going to buy a house at hundred thousand dollars, my down payment would be twenty k. Calculate what is my return on that twenty k. It doesn't really matter how much the house cost because I'm not investing hundred k into that house if I'm using leverage. I'm using leverage, I'm investing 20K. So I want to look at what is my return on that 20K that was invested to acquire the asset, not the total purchase price, because somebody else is going to buy that for me over time, if that makes sense. Uh, what else do I look at? 
you can look at school ratings. Um, you can look at, there is a uh, great website called niche.com. You can pull up any zip code, any neighborhood, and, or you can type in a particular address and get a score for the area. You can find out what the taxes are. That's important. High taxes can blow the returns. Um, a flood zone can blow the returns. So those are things you're gonna wanna look at too. How much are the taxes? How much are the insurance? Um, we are in, for example, Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City, Kansas is right on the other side of the line, but as soon as you cross the line, the numbers don't work as well because of taxes and insurance. Excuse me. Uh, contact information. Easiest way to find me is you can visit wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist. That will take you to my calendar and I'm happy to, to jump on a call with you and we can do, we can do a session and I will, um, you know, I'll tell you everything I know on, <laughs> on turnkey real estate investing, buy and hold, whether it's long-term or short-term. You know, I have some experience there as well. I didn't even have time to really go into that today. Thanks, Carolyn, for typing that in the chat. Wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist. You can also join um, our Facebook group if you want to, Real Estate Portfolio Builders. Um, there are a ton of investors in there sharing ideas and content. And uh, that's an amazing way to kind of bounce some ideas off of other investors that are like-minded. And not everybody in that group is doing turnkey. You know, we have folks doing all kinds of real estate investing um, and there's full transparency in there. So any, any questions that you wanna ask, uh, there's lots of folks that can jump in and answer those. So over apartment life in one of these comments, I need space and more privacy to work and live. A lot of people feel that way, you know? I mean, just think about it. What would you rather rent, a house or an apartment? Unless you live in New York City, like most people, most people like living in a home. I know I do. Um, I wanna scroll up and make sure that I caught everybody's question. Oh, this is funny, LOL, a 15 year overnight success story. Yeah, mine is about the same. Okay, in any investment strategy, yield and time is the most important factor. It's a great takeaway. Okay, Canadians, we, oh yeah, great comment there, Lauren. I, uh, I'm super excited to be working with Lauren and Carolyn to help some Canadians start to invest with us at WealthCap. Um, that's actually how the three of us all got connected to begin with. I was referred to them uh, because I do have some clients that they live across the border and they want to be able to take advantage of US real estate. And these ladies are really uh, you know, experts on how to make that happen. So you Canadians that are in the group, we are here to help you. Let's see another comment. That's where I want to be assets funding my lifestyle. Okay. Oh. I appreciate the way you're breaking things down with your personal experiences too. Absolutely. I mean, that's what I know the best are the, the things that I have done um, and the things that I've helped other investors work through. You know, there's tons of case studies in our group as well. Um, if you want to hear from other investors that have done, you know, turnkey either with us or with other people, that's a great place for you to get some uh, to get some resources. So I would love to answer any more questions. If you guys have, please feel free to drop those in the chat and let me know if there um, if there's anything else that you want me to share about. We've got about 10 minutes left, so I'm happy to answer any questions. Uh, the book that you mentioned, it's called Why Real Estate? Um, and I will send it to you. Just visit wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist. And in the referred by comment, if you, um, if you type women in there, let me know that you came from, from this live stream. I will shoot that over to you. What are your thoughts on the San Diego market or Austin market? Honestly, I think they're both overinflated, especially right now. Um, prices are way too high. I, I would never do anything Hey, I probably would not do anything in California unless it was an Airbnb uh, and I was really, really sure about the numbers. 
you know, the thing about an Airbnb, which I know we had another expert on, so I should probably pick her brain on that. But um, vacation rentals, you can sometimes get 36% cash on cash returns. That's what our portfolio is getting with our vacation rentals. However, there are a lot of expenses with Airbnbs. Um, you're going to have a lot more repairs. And depending on the market, if there's a lot of seasonality, you need to be prepared to bleed red for seasons at a time. Uh, Branson, Missouri, for example, where I started is a vacation market. It's a second home market. And you bleed red from like mid-December through March. Uh, so as long as whatever your plan is, if you're hedged, what we do with our portfolio, what I advise my investors and friends to do is we have 75% of our holdings are in long-term rentals that are going to pay rent every month, every month, every month. And then we've got about 25, maybe 30% in short-term rentals that where there's some seasonality. So in the event that it's the off season with the vacation rentals, we still have funds coming in from the long-term rentals, the monthly, you know, year-long leases, for example. Um, what about the Las Vegas market? You know, I honestly, I don't know a whole, whole lot about the Las Vegas market. Um, I don't know what taxes are like out there. We're mostly focused in the Midwest and the South. Um, it's closer to where we are. And I, I can't really, I can't really say anything about Vegas. I, I don't know. Uh, but I would look at taxes, insurance, purchase prices, rent rates. Those are the first things I would look at. Also, well, because Las Vegas, I think they are getting some kind of a sports team soon that might make it a more viable market. Um, but I would reach out to somebody who's really an expert in that area and see what advice they have. Um, okay, tell us about investing with wealth cap holdings. Absolutely. So we have turnkey, uh, we have turnkey properties available. Basically, we have found a deal, we've rehabbed it, we've gotten it ready. And investors are able to pick up these deals and we assist you with everything in the process. We've, we've done the renovation. We supply you with the photos. We've got property management set up. So wherever you are, you're able to purchase a house, say it's 100 to 150K in one of these three markets. And one of our advisors will walk you through the entire process from helping you get financing, picking the right house, for you based on whatever your goals, um, whatever your goals are, walking you through the entire transaction, getting you transitioned over to have the tenant put in place, getting fully set up with the property management. It's, it's truly white glove service. We'll walk you through everything from financing to collecting your, your first rent check. And we're always there for ongoing support. Uh, so we help, we help investors build their portfolios without having to do all the crazy driving around, finding a deal, doing the flip, moving from bedroom to bedroom <laughs> or any of that crazy stuff. Um, do you work at the travel nurse, healthcare space and military? Would that be a, going, a good joint venture partnership? It might be, shoot me a message and we'll, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see if there's any opportunity for synergy there. Uh, what are your fees for your services? So there's not a fee actually for our service at all. Um, people ask me every day, why do we do what we do? We're going to make a profit on doing the flip on the property. That's how we make our money on those. Uh, but we don't like charge a fee for the service that we provide. If we're finding a deal at 50 K and we're putting 30 K into it. And then, you know, the, the ARV, the after rehab value is 105. We, we sell them to investors at the market value, sometimes below if there's a little bit of margin in there. Sometimes I can make a deal for a cash buyer. It just kind of depends. Um, but by increasing the value of the property and doing the rehab, we're going to make a profit. And um, that profit is how we make money on the properties that we sell. The ones that we hold, you know, that's totally different. We're, we're building a long, long-term strategy with that for the owners of our company. Um, so on those, like we're, it's the same as what you would do for yourself. We're making as many acquisitions as we can to get that positive passive cash flow as long as possible. Uh, okay. Do you, I think 
how do Canadians invest with your company? That's a great question. So one of the first things is we gotta, you gotta talk to Carolyn and Lauren because there are some legalities to figure out. You wanna make sure that you don't get in trouble on either side of the border. Um, and Lauren can certainly advise more on that, but absolutely Canadians can invest in, in US real estate. Um, there is there are a couple additional steps that we need to take to make sure that you're legally set up properly and uh, the cross-border tax, plan tax planning is key. That's not my area of expertise. My area of expertise is I have the deals um, and Lauren is able to help advise on like how to not go to jail uh, <laughs> or get hit with a big tax bill. Um, <clears throat> all right, wow, this hour has just like flown by. That has been amazing, Devin. Thank you so much. I knew that people would really be engaged with your presentation because obviously it was it was a good good fit after listening to Sharon talk about, you know, get assets. Assets are sexy and this was perfect because you're also providing a service, like I said before, for individuals who do not have the time or do not want to be out there looking for the deals, putting them under contract and looking for those tenants and everything else that comes with building that portfolio of rental assets. So uh, that is huge value that everybody on this call today was able to really have clarity on what you guys are providing at WealthCap and especially working with you and your background and your experience. I think that was amazing. So thank you, thank you so much, Devin, for coming on and sharing sharing this this wisdom with with the group thank you it's, it's been my pleasure thank you all so much thanks for listening discover how you can start building wealth with real estate even without experience in our free book why real estate and how to get started by visiting wealthcapholdings.com book that's wealthcapholdings.com book